you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go, folks, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. I just do it different every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. You got the operator sync. We were joking uh, before the show about how um, our current guest that we have coming on has got uh, a, a little a puppet or a Muppet. He was talking mm-hmm. about his uh, fascination with the Muppets. And uh, we've joked that we should do the whole show in opera singing, where everybody, myself and the guests, have to do the whole show singing operatically. What is that even a word? Mm-hmm. But now I've got a new idea. Uh, we should have guests come on that uh, where we talk with puppets. And so me as a host, I ask questions in puppet with a puppet, and then and then uh, and the the guest has to answer a puppet. So it could, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be like Sesame Street only grown up style, which yep. I don't know if it's very Avenue Q. I think is the uh, the closest to that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Some say I'm a puppet. Um, and so that may explain a few things, especially when my bum hurts. Anyway, uh, we have an amazing gentleman on the show with us today. And as always, we're going to be talking about some amazing things that are going to open your minds, brighten your world, and make things better. Because uh, if you've watched the news lately, it's not that great. So uh, the beautiful part is we bring you great. We give you that special feeling of all the wonderful stuff that's out there. We're going to talk about storytelling, which is important for personal life and business. Uh, you know, so you don't bore your family and friends like you do now, uh, folks. Yeah, out there, you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> if, if you don't think you're the boring one, it's probably you. Uh, and how to bring your story to life? Um, these are important for business and life for telling brand stories as well, and maybe for how to entertain people and be better socially and all that stuff. And uh, we're going to be talking to a wonderful gentleman about that. But before we get to him, we want to guilt and shame you, as always, twist the knife and suggest that you refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Call them up right now. Uh, grab their phone and just download the Chris Voss Show onto it. Subscribe them on the uh, iTunes there. Give us a five-star review. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, linkedin.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and Chris Voss won on the Tickety Talkety channels there where those kids do all the weird dancing and stuff, and I still don't understand it. Uh, he is an amazing gentleman. Uh, Grant Johnson joins us on the show with us today. He's uh, he's a guy who does voiceover or a voice actor, as they like to call it in the official business world. Uh, he is a voiceover actor helping independent creators bring their stories to life by lending his voice to 10,000 projects. From commercials to animation, and we're going to learn how he does it and why he does it and how to be better at uh, using our voices, maybe, and telling our stories as well. Welcome to the show, Grant. How are you? Thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. It's wonderful to have you as well, and it sounds like you're coming from your set there. I noticed you've got some soundproofing on the walls there and all that sort of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've got a little bit more treatment than what I would have had at... uh basically earlier on in my career because <laughs> that's one thing that you you kind of have to learn yourself is you know how sound treatment works and it's not just oh i need to have something that can record me 
Yeah, it's we see that a lot podcast and podcasting. Everyone's like, "Yeah, I bought a five dollar mic from the uh, dollar store, and uh, or I'm using my phone, and uh, I'll just publish this shit." And and then they wonder why no one listens to their podcast. I've, I've listened to some podcasts. Some people are like, "Hey, listen to this podcast I was on, Chris," and I'm like, "Have you heard the audio on that? It's unlistenable." <laughs> Jesus, it, it's like running screech things across my uh, chalkboard. So, Grant, give us your .coms. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Sure. So, my website is grantjohnsonvo, like in voiceover, .com. Mm -hmm. And so, so, people can hire you for voiceover. Give us a 30,000 overview of all the different aspects of uh, what you do. Yeah. Voiceover, it's a, it's a wide variety of things that you can get into nowadays just because there's so many different places that people are going to be advertising and, mm -hmm. and making content on. Mm -hmm. So any, any place that you've ever heard anybody talk for the most part, you could find voice, uh, work in voiceover. So TV, radio over the top, which is basically the streaming services like Netflix and, and Hulu, those kind of things. Um, streaming radio, getting work in audiobooks. Um, anytime you call a business and you get like a phone tree, the IVR system, that's, oh. that's going to be a voiceover. Um, all sorts of things like that. Whenever you're watching somebody like who has a webinar or an e-learning module or all of that kind of stuff, that's all voiceover. So audiobooks, animated film, all voiceover. Uh, it's quite the business. In fact, animation has kind of really saved a lot of Hollywood careers and stuff. Yeah. The animation of TV. I mean, some of those voiceover actors for some of those TV shows, like, uh, I don't ever watch them, but, you know, you know the animated ones. The big well, yeah. Like Mila Kunis, she, she gets paid, like, yeah, a quarter million dollars an episode. You know, yeah. <laughs> and they, they've been doing it for, like, 20 years. It's, it's yeah. I think, an, animation TV almost has a longer run than the seven year run of most sitcoms. So there you go. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so people can reach out to you. They can hire you say, Hey, I want to do this thing for you. I guess mm -hmm. if I ever get sick, we could just hire you to do the voiceover for the show yeah. and pretend to be me. And we'll just play like a video in the background of me talking mm -hmm. and people are like, why doesn't his voice and mouth sync up? Yeah. That doesn't match. Yeah. Which but is pretty, much every, other, which pretty so. much every other show anyway, really when it comes down to it. Yeah. Yeah, that it, that's a good delays. question. I'll, I'll wing at you first. Is AI yeah. changing your business and helping line that up with, with voices and mouse and everything else? Yeah. So the thing about AI is that right now there's a lot of ethical dilemmas on mm -hmm. the side of the professionals, the people who've been in this game the longest. Mm -hmm. And really it boils down to kind of four, four or five things. I can't remember exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll list them off and then we'll figure out which one it is. But mm -hmm. um Basically, the things that there are potentially wrong with using AI currently include the likes of uh, compensation, control, um, transparency. There's one other one, um, and these are all on copyright. Um, no, it. I'll I'll look it up because it's the Nava. Um, I know there's a big strike that was going on with all this stuff um, over AI in Hollywood where they were concerned about their images being used yeah. and being yep. paid for it. And I guess kind of one of the deals was uh, the Hollywood studios are starting to do a thing where they were starting to, you know, keep these files like with, mm -hmm. with hand solo, I guess the, the studios 
back, I think it happened with over the crow when he died and they needed to be able to finish the film. And so what they've started doing is creating these huge libraries of all of the facial movements and body movements of, of uh, actors. Right. So they can just, you know, they, they recreated, uh, who was the gal from Star Wars? And she was in like two or three Star Wars films afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so that's that's actually the one that I forgot. It looks like. Oh yeah. So consent. Carrie. Consent, consent. Yeah. You need to be able to consent to the work that's being done. So you know, there's some of these projects where people they'll do what you just explained. You know, they'll take a 3D rendering of the actor and they'll record as much as they need to in order to get the visual side, and then. <clears throat> There's AI nowadays that if you have a three-second clip of somebody talking, you can basically mimic their entire range of their voice. Wow. So uh, you need to be able to consent to what kind of work is being done. And that also includes things like NSFW work, you know, stuff that's not safe for kids. Yeah. Um, You need to be able to get compensated for the work you do. You need to have some level of control, which, again, kind of ties in with the consent piece and then transparency Letting, making sure that all of the companies that are using AI to generate content are letting people know how they're arriving at it and whose voices are getting used in the composition and all of that stuff. There you go. And if you ever see the Chris Voss show uh, on, you know, my head on a swivel uh, on some OnlyFans channel, it's not me. Wink, wink. <laughs> no, I'm just People, if you Google me uh, and OnlyFans, like there's something wrong with you. Like seriously, who? No one wants to see that. Yeah. Uh, so, Grant, uh, tell us how you uh, got into voiceovers. Tell us mm-hmm. kind of your story and run through in life and what yeah. got you down this road. So, ever since I was young, I was really connected with storytelling and and different things like you know watching all sorts of media. I've watched pretty much you know tv shows and movies ever since i was ever since i can remember really mm-hmm. and you know since then it's it's been a matter of you know getting introduced to the real world and people saying hey you should be thinking about a career so <laughs> when i was in whatever it was junior high or high school i i decided well i really like cartoons and all of this stuff and and part of that is just you know being able to make it and we need people to do that. So that was kind of the first iteration of me being like, I want to do voiceover. So what does that look like? And back then, my understanding, because I didn't really have people around here who do it professionally for a living. Uh, so I had to do some of my own research. And back then, the research was, oh, well, they've got theater degrees and programs at these colleges that I can apply to. So let's try getting into one of those and and see if that teaches me anything about it. And from there, I I learned out how to act, but I didn't learn a lot of the intricacies of the voiceover industry. So it took me almost an entire decade after that to really continue to look into things and for sort of the perfect storm to develop where it was a, a marriage between now the technology is at a point where everything works. There's a lot of opportunity online because everything needs voiceover. Mm-hmm. And and me being in a position financially where I could say, hey, I'm going to get additional training specifically for voiceover and and get a commercial demo put together and and do all of those things that anybody who's in the voiceover industry would tell you you should have done, you know, as soon as you wanted to start getting agency placement or or hired for work so 
you want to be an actor? Was that maybe your first love? You're you're trying it first. Yeah, I I I think the the first sort of uh, exposure I had to voiceover was watching cartoons growing up. You know, there'd be a a Bugs Bunny commercial or not commercial, but like a Bugs Bunny cartoon on. And uh, I, I did the what's up doc for my grandma and she loved it. So <laughs> kind of stuck. And, you know, that that's that's, I think, something that's been, you know, ingrained in me since since I was that old is just sort of seeking approval and attention and doing it with funny voices. <laughs> so I would imagine that acting probably, you know, your education with acting probably helped with your voiceover because yeah. it's kind of what you're doing. Like, I'll even see like those guys in the voice acting booth, like the Hollywood movie stars mm -hmm. and stuff. And they're kind of, you can see they're kind of right. acting out the part in, mm -hmm. in the, in the thing, yeah. which I think probably comes through in the voice. Yeah, absolutely. The, the one that I always go back to because it's probably my first actual memory of voiceover was watching the opening scene to Mrs. Doubtfire. And you've got Robin Williams standing there in a recording booth and, and he's reading the part for the bird and the cat and, and the, the bird starts smoking a cigarette. And it was a commercial for, you know, some, some cigarette company in the movie. And he's like, I can't do this. Can yeah. I? Well, there you go. And so that helped inspire you, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Here, I thought it was the woman in the dress. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the uh, <laughs> and then you, and as we mentioned before in the early part of the show, you've got a little puppet behind yep. you, and and so you've been always down this road. So uh, you 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 become you you delve into being a voice actor and mm -hmm. um, and and do all this stuff. Um, what uh, what are some of the influences you've had or, or people that you've looked up to other than maybe Robin Williams? Yep, Robin Williams is a big one. Uh, another one that I constantly mention is Jim Carrey, just for all of his ah. zany antics and you know mm. the characters that he'd portray in shows. His voices too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, as far as strictly voiceovers, there's people that they run the gamut. I mean, anytime that you look up voice actors that have been working since the '90s, you've got the likes of Billy West, Jim Cummings, Rob Paulson, Debbie Derryberry, uh, mm -hmm. Jennifer Hale. There's all of these wonderful, wonderful actors that they've honed their craft and they've been doing this so long that you know you could probably look up and they've got you know thousands of credits between all of the different shows and games and and things of that nature that they've been a part of and. Mm -hmm. It's just it's it's really inspiring, and I think that was one of the things that I took away the most growing up. Is just it's it's really it's really interesting to to see these characters brought to life, you know, with just a voice. Because you know, when we think about it, a lot of communication is visual. So mm -hmm. when we lose eighty percent of the message, and and that gets put in later, how do we still convey? the the crucial part that we need to be able to provide in order for the the story to really come to light there you go uh so you you talk about storytelling and why it's important and, and that's part of what you have to do when you're using your voice right uh is tell a visual story mm -hmm. tell us about what that means and how to story tell the right way per your sure so i think the best way for me to kind of go over this is to really boil it down to the basics. It's mm -hmm. something that I, I learned from a book that's by a, an author called Christopher Booker, and this is the seven basic plots. So 
uh, I want to say that uh, it took inspiration from an earlier book about 36 different dramatic situations by, I think his name's Carlo Gra- uh, Gazzi. Mm. But um, he was back in, I think it was the 1800s or something. And then uh, Mr. Booker writes this book and simplifies down to seven plots. Obviously, it's not all-encompassing, but there's enough overlap in the story that you can say, okay, this one follows this storyline for the most part. Um, you might even have a combination of several different ones going because you've got subplots and all of that kind of thing. But um, mm-hmm. the seven basic plots that are outlined in that book are Overcome the Monster, mm. The Quest, The Voyage and Return, The Rags to Riches, The Comedy, The Tragedy, and The Rebirth. Well, that sounds like my life on Wednesdays. <laughs> on Taco Tuesday. Or wait, it doesn't make any sense. That's not a that's a horrible joke, Chris. What the fuck? Oh, <laughs> Sometimes well. they just make up shit and it just doesn't work. So there you go. But that it, maybe, that's, maybe it's funnier that way. I don't know. But yeah. Um and the the interesting thing that I think about all of them is that even though they aren't all the same story, most of them do follow a similar sort of plot development so Mm. it's kind of a roller coaster that you go on you know you always see kind of a graph sketched out of people saying okay this is what this is what a plot looks like um but the way that uh again christopher booker has it in the in in that book is you've got sort of the initial phase that's a call to action or whatever you want to call it where the the protagonist is introduced to the idea of whatever it is that they're up against or Mm -hmm. has some reason for branching out and going off on this adventure. And from there, we transition to a dream state, which they're kind of naive or uh, oblivious to to the world around them and and the potential pitfalls that they might uh, run into. Mm-hmm. But but they're also kind of impervious to any damage during this phase. Like nothing bad ever happens in this phase. It's always afterwards. So then we've got the frustration phase. This is when they're actually introduced to the troubles in the world, and mm. and they have to go up against you know possibly the the big bad, and and they basically just just get uh, you know life lessons handed to them one after another, and and that takes them from the frustration phase into the nightmare phase, which is. Um, as they're going through the nightmare phase, this is kind of the the valley of despair, so to speak. This is the time when you know all of the pieces are kind of not not just not fitting together; they're going off in their own separate ways. And it's like, how are we ever going to reach the point where we can overcome this? Mm-hmm. But something happens either in in that phase or transitioning into the next phase, which is sort of the resolution of the story, which everything kind of comes together. The bad guy gets foiled or if this is a tragedy it's going to be from the perspective of the bad guy and we're going to say oh look there's nothing left here so i'm gonna either you know wish to die or or yeah you know, let everything just kind of fall apart so you just described my first 10 marriages <laughs> but uh, but the the thing about the the tragedy plot line is that it's always something that the the main character could have avoided, but it, they chose to do it instead. So once again, yeah, (laughs) there you go. Uh, so this is pretty interesting, man. Uh, do you, do you, uh, do you coach and counsel companies or people on, on how to do voiceover, tell better stories and things like that? 
I'm certainly open to the idea. It's not something that I've done in the past, mm-hmm. but like, like I said, it's, it's something that's been with me my whole life and something that I'm really, mm-hmm. as you can tell, I'm very passionate about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, brands have to tell stories. Leaders mm-hmm. have to tell stories. Leaders have to know how to lead part of their, you know, knowing how to lead and uh, is about communication. Mm-hmm. And so using their voice in authoritative ways, <laughs> that sounded really fascist, authoritative ways. Um, mm-hmm. You always do what I say or else. Uh, I'm doing my Mussolini there. It's, yeah. it's not very good. Um, but, uh, you know, empathy, uh, communication, yeah. uh, communicating passionately, uh, also being able to tell a story because you get your message across, you know, mm-hmm. in, inspiring people to go to the next thing. There's a lot of this need in the business world because I know some yeah. business people that are just like bots, robots are like, you know, we should do what everyone says and it will be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you know, that Elon Musk could use a personality, you know, yeah, uh, that might be good. Uh, well, something that doesn't involve lots of, uh, too much, uh, whatever sort of acid he's on. I forget what it's called. Yeah. Well, and the kind of interesting thing to me, if you if you think about it, most businesses were started for a reason, right? It wasn't just mm-hmm. that people wanted to make money. It was that they wanted to make some sort of change in the world. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it from that lens and you say, okay, take me back to that moment. What was it that you found and you said, hey, this needs to change? Because that can kind of guide you into one of those seven different plots and say, okay, I was maybe just trying to do something for money and then let's say you're an insurance agent you go and you try and sell an insurance policy and they say oh let's let's think on it and then and then you know find out within the week that one of the you know spouses passed and and now you have new motivation for doing a better job than you did before this happened well that's that's a compelling story and that falls into again kind of the reworth plot line because that was something that it it follows kind of the same plot of the tragedy but you're not going to stop there the story doesn't end you've got the redemption arc and that's that's what the rebirth kind of takes you through is the redemption arc of the story yeah and so the stories are important and knowing how to tell them act them out um you know uh using your voice is so important you know i I grew up an introvert so i didn't talk much i mostly watch people um, and when you grew up uh, like I did, you watch a lot of people going, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, then I, you know, I had to become CEO of my companies. I had to communicate. I had to, I had to explain, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just making up shit now. Um, I had to tell stupid jokes like that one. Uh, but I had to communicate with my, with my business partners, with my, mm-hmm. uh, board of directors, with my investors, with my employees, with the vendors people you do business with uh you know there's that there's pretty much you you know i, I became a big mouth people always like how do you how did you look gonna fall on a podcast and like to talk i've been a big mouth all my life you know being a ceo you don't you don't really you can't just sit in a corner and like i'm not gonna talk to anybody this week even mm-hmm. though i run this place yeah. um and so you you have to jump into it but using your voice in a way to inspire people motivate them mm-hmm. educate them tell stories is super important and uh i'm always trying to get better at it um and it probably will always be something i'll try and improve so i like what you talk about in this thing how do you how do you bring depth 
through sound design and using your voice to your visuals. What are some different maybe tips or tricks or, or how can you talk about how, you know, to replicate that? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that I guess I've, I've told other people about sound design is that when it comes to building sound design, you have to think about all of the different ways that not only we make sound, but also that people have used it in the past for their own messages. So, a lot of media, you've got sort of the primary, you know, the the main actors. So they've got their voices, and that will generally be the the main focus of whatever you, you're listening to. But then mm-hmm. beyond that, you you have to start adding in the layers, and that's some of the things that you're going to see there. You've got sound effects, so that's going to be, you know, if there's supposed to be a tree or if there's a door opening, oh, close, yeah. all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be different effects that you can do to the sounds to get other things to kind of come out. So uh, take, for instance, the the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. When, when you listen to them talk about how they made that, it's mm-hmm. a combination of things like redwood trees and an alligator and a lion and a baby elephant. Mm-hmm. And you just layer each of those sounds on top of each other and kind of adjusted a little bit, you know, this way or that way based off of, you know, do you want certain frequencies to be brought out in this sound or, or possibly deadened so that you don't hear them? Um, do you want to make it sound like the source is going to be closer or farther away than it actually is? And there's yeah. ways that you can modify sound waves so that they have that kind of an effect. Mm-hmm. And then also sound, it's just vibrations, right? So mm-hmm when we talk, our vocal cords are vibrating and then it sends out, you know, waves in the air and then the air that gets, you know, translated through our, through our ear into something that we can actually comprehend. And Mm. knowing that, you know, you can also adjust things with sounds so that it makes it sound like it's in a different environment. So Mm. that would be like reverb is kind of the, the big thing there when it comes to uh, ways that you can, you know, change the sound and then it'll make it sound like you're actually in like a cathedral or, or maybe a bathroom or, you know, just some other place other than where you are based off of how the sound is responding to, to that input. So that's what I need. I need a anti-bathroom thing so that yeah. like, you know, I, I usually leave voicemail messages because I'm like, not, not, not on phone voicemail, but on like messenger. Oh, okay. so, cause I'm too lazy to type. Right. I don't have that kind of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, plus, you know, I have giant ass fingers. And so, uh, and, and I come from the old world where you, you know, yeah. if you like people, you call them, you're like, hey, how's it going? Hey, like mm-hmm. all my friends, we call each other and, yeah. and, and stuff. But, you know, there's some people in this world, it seems like a lot nowadays, are like, oh my God, talking to people is scary. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, uh, what's, uh, you know, danger, danger, stranger, danger. You're yep. like, you know me, man. Yep. What the hell? We're friends on Facebook. But I like I like talking to people because mm-hmm. I can hear their inflection. Because right. I've been, you know, I've been bad sometimes when I write somebody and, you know, if the inflection's not there, they think they're like, did you just insult me? And you're like, no, I was telling a joke, eh? And, and they don't get it. So I like I like inflection yeah. more as a, as a comedian. But, um being able to have that conversation, have that intonation, your voice, the inflection and stuff. Uh, I imagine that's kind of hard to develop for people. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So the the way that I guess it was explained to me, if if you have a background in music, it's a lot easier to get into something like voiceover mm -hmm. than it is for somebody who's you know never sang, because people might tell you, oh well, you've got a great voice, you should do voiceover. And for, well, first and foremost, the the thing that you want to focus on with voiceover is the acting, because again, that's that's the basics. That's yeah. the way that we can get people to actually believe that we're coming from one frame of reference or perspective or anything like that versus like, oh, this is just some guy reading a script. Like yeah. anybody yeah. can read a script. Not everybody yeah. can act. And, yeah. and being in music again, uh, the way that that helps is it helps you sort of understand the difference in pitch. So uh, not, not just pitch, but then there's also volume. So being louder or softer uh, having a certain timbre, so making your voice sound one way versus another, and that's kind of a distinction between, you know, if you're using chest voice or if you're using head voice or maybe the mix, mix voice, which is between the two. Um, adding different kind of textures, like people say, oh, this has like a, a rasp or a gravelly sound, like, okay, so what does that sound like? And how do you do those things without making it hard on your vocal cords? Because there are some things, you know, you can make any sound you want, but can you do that for hours on end yeah, and true. not kill your voice? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess suppose if you could do certain voice, like I've seen some of the different people that do those voices, like Man of the Hill and mm -hmm. The Simpsons and stuff. And I'm like, how do you yep. do that for a long time? It's got to be the the best one that I know of is I think it's Maurice Lamarche. Um, mm -hmm. He does a lot of belches, and it's like he, he the way that he's described it is it's like tube and throat singing. So like the thing where you've got like kind of the weird sort of like rumbly mm. kind of growl thing going on in your throat and then you just start like making weird shapes with your mouth and that's how it, it kind of plays out and so he used that for the the belch in elf when ah. when um will ferrell's at the dinner table and belch? he takes that long belch after drinking soda or whatever it is <laughs> that was maurice lamarche that is crazy man mm -hmm. so uh do you do any impressions or do people I, need to learn to do impressions? Of the I certainly do do some impressions. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm i a big fan of Jim Henson and all of his work, so I've done my best to try and learn how to do Kermit the Frog. You know, everybody, that's one of the ones that they Oh, hey, really, there you really, go. Really Whoa, really you got me there. And um, he's also got, you know, Rolf the dog. He's a, he's a little bit more gruff, but he's a, he's a piano player, and, and he likes making music. And then... <laughs> You know, he's also got Cantus and and the other ones, but um, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of the ones that Jim Henson does kind of sound like Rolf, but then you've got yeah. some sort of you know other oh, texture or thing going on. That one is, I think, was was that Jim or was that? I want to say that know. was Frank Oz. Was Cookie know. Monster? It might have been Frank Oz. Yeah, he was. But really but I might be conflating that with Animal. I know Animal was Frank Oz. Yeah, Animal. So. He was one of my favorite characters on the show. I don't know. He's crazy, crazy dude. So there you go. Mm -hmm. uh, so how can people apply some of the stuff we've talked about, some of these techniques mm -hmm. and different things into their life or projects they're working on? How can people apply it in their own lives? Um, I think. The, the best thing is, again, just kind of understanding why you're, you're telling different stories mm -hmm. and, and, you know, is it you're trying to connect with people? Are you trying to inform people about stuff? And, you know, once you have that 
in your mind, then you can kind of take that and say, okay, from here, because I'm trying to educate somebody, we want to make sure that everything can be heard, right? So we're going to use kind of a neutral tone of voice, something that's not going to be, you know, too loud or too soft. We want to be kind of right in the pocket and we want to make sure that we enunciate well, but we also want to emphasize the words that are going to be the ones that they want to know so that they don't have to keep rewinding and go, oh, wait, what did he say? I kind of fell asleep there. And <laughs> so, you know, and, and just kind of keeping that kind of stuff in mind, if you're, you know, giving a speech or, or a presentation and, you know, in real time, just knowing that, okay, this is why we want to emphasize these words is because these are powerful yeah. words. These are important ones that we want people to remember when they leave here and you could coach speakers too. I know a lot of speakers that have his friends that yeah. do speaking and, you know, part of his storytelling, mm -hmm. telling great stories when you speak, but also it's the inflection of how you use your voice. Yeah. I know a couple of speakers, they just yell the whole time, which I'm mm -hmm. not sure if they even inflect, but I think they do, but there's yeah. usually a lot of yelling going on. And, and even, you know, something like that, you know, if, if they do just their full volume the whole time. There are some techniques that voiceovers use that I know just you wouldn't learn about them in everyday life. Mm -hmm. One of them is strophonation. Strophonation. Yep. So I think I got that once from Hooker in Thailand. Yikes. <laughs> but it's <laughs> a good callback joke. It uh yeah, it's it's a it's a way for you to kind of feel the back pressure, like when you're um when you blow through a straw, the straw has some resistance uh -huh. and, and what it does is it allows you to kind of feel how much force you need in order to get to a certain pitch or a certain volume. Mm. And it allows you to reproduce that sound a lot easier and a lot more reliably mm. and you don't kill your voice doing it. The back pressure. I don't even know if that's what it is. I'm just making up stuff. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, so there you go. You know, people can learn this stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, being engaged with people, being social, if you want to keep your, your spouse, your significant mm -hmm. other, if you're dating, uh, if you're just in business, you want, you know, your employees to think, or, or maybe your fellow workers think you're interesting, you know, maybe for better prospects of uh, getting promotion, maybe you want to be the CEO of your company mm -hmm. someday, communicating is everything. And then using your voice is even more important because, uh, anytime that you can make it more animated, make it more three-dimensional, right. you know, you're going to stand out. And like you say, people are going to listen. They're not going to fall asleep on you. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's so important. I remember years ago, one of my girlfriends, I, I would come home with all, you know, all the stories of, of the day and all the weird employee things that happened. And we, you know, I believe what Bob did today. Yep. And, uh, and, and so I would, you know, enthrall her with all the stories and she would laugh. And then I'd be like, so what happened to your day? And she'd be like, nothing. And I'm like, you're a, you're a Delta flight attendant who uh, goes uh, all over the country. You're meet hundreds of people. You're on yeah. three different flights. I mean, these days you definitely should have some stories. Right. Uh, and yeah, I'm like, if, you got she nothing? Doesn't, if she doesn't have the story, somebody else has it on TikTok now. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, the uh, and so finally, I got bored with her because I'm just like, I, I told her at one point, I'm like, honey, I'm gonna pay someone to kidnap you. I really want to do this, people don't call the authorities on me. Um, I'm gonna pay somebody to kidnap you and just kind of hold you for an hour and let you go, and just so that I can get a damn story out of you. Mm -hmm. 
And stories are the, you know, we talk about this a lot on the show as a callback, but stories are the owner's manual of life. Collecting mm-hmm. stories, telling stories, it's yep. how we interact with each other. Um, it's, uh, it's how we learn from each other. And so being able to tell a good story is good, but being able to use it with your voice, making things interesting and enlivening the story and giving it that, I don't know what the right word is. You may know better than that. Giving that reality, that play out, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. It's going back to what you said there. It's storytelling. When you boil it down, it's really just learning about yourself learning about mm-hmm. others and learning about the world around you and how mm-hmm. it, it works and being able to relate to that stuff. Because mm-hmm. if you, if you can't relate to something, you know, you're going to be a lot more skeptical or a lot more adverse to, to putting yourself out there and being like, Oh, well, well why should I do this? Cause I don't know anything about it. It's, it's all foreign to me. Yeah. And, and the more interesting you make, you know, you, the less sure you have to worry about being the boring person because mm-hmm. no one likes the boring person. You're in right. a party with them and they start yep. talking to you and you're just like, I'm going to throw myself in out of this window if this person mm-hmm. keeps talking to me, um, you know, which is basically how most of my dates go. Um, <clears throat> so uh, being interesting, having a great voice, having voiceover skills, learning to act, learning to animate, this is all great stuff. I mean, I can see you coaching so many different people on top of, sure. you know, your busy voiceover work. Uh, you do audio books, I think you said, and uh, you've worked on about 10,000 projects. You want to tease out anything you really enjoy doing? Well, I haven't I haven't worked on 10,000 yet, but the okay. goal is to, before, before I leave this world, there will be 10,000 things for people to there listen you to. So. Okay, I read that wrong. Yeah. Um, so give us your final thoughts as we go out and pitch out to people to uh, reach out to you and and uh, see if they can do business with you. Yeah. Uh, again, everything comes down to building a relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that I'm not meant to work with everybody, but again, if I'm going to be doing 10,000 projects over the course of my life, I need people to help. And if you're one of those people who feels like you know, this would be some sort of a, a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship. I would love to help you with whatever it is you've got going on. If that is, you know, your own commercials because you need to get the word out about your products, or if you've got a product that's in development but you need voices for it because it's some sort of a media thing, and and you need voices for that to, you know, really put the characters together and tell the story the way that it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. I'd love to help out. Uh, again, my website, that's grantjohnsonvo.com, V-O as in voiceover. And um, if you follow that link, that'll take you to, I've got my commercial demo on there. I've got my contact information and I've got my social media channels. So, And if you don't want to do that in order to find me on social media, my social media handle for voiceover is always going to be at grantjohnsonvo. There you go. And I guess you uh, give some advice on tips on your YouTube channel. I just pulled it up here. Me? Yeah, I guess you give some advice and stuff on your YouTube oh, yeah. channel as well. Yep. I've got one of my talks on there about uh, that was the one I was telling you about that I kind of went over some of the, the storytelling in sound design. So I, I did that talk mm-hmm. for, for some indie game developers. and Awesome sauce. Awesome like sauce. That, so. Well, Grant, this has been very insightful, and hopefully we taught some people to not be boring, eh? Well, I, hope I know so. a lot of people that need to <laughs> not be boring. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so thank you very much, sir. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Chris.
There you go. And thanks to my audience for tuning in. We certainly appreciate it as well. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Chris Foss one on the tickety talkity over there. Thanks to my audience for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.